Hello, I'm Kimberly Dondo, Digital Content Manager, and welcome to In Conversation With, the podcast series that delves into the world of financial services and brings you face-to-face with some of the most notable figures in the industry. Listen as we discuss topics that are currently facing the industry and hear from visionary CEOs to disruptive innovators as we bring you a diverse array of voices and perspectives. We'll explore the challenges they faced, the lessons they've learned, and the insights they have to share about the ever-evolving landscape of financial services. Hello and welcome to In Conversation With. I'm Kimberly Dondo, Digital Content Manager. And in today's episode, I'm joined by Charles Gillings, Fund Manager at Utilico Emerging Markets. Um, So Charles, if you could give us a bit of a background into yourself and how you got started in financial services. Kimberly, well, first, thank you for um, taking the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I started out as uh, in South Africa as a chartered accountant, um, moved to New York and then moved to the UK in 1985, um, joined an investment bank, Hill Samuel, mm-hmm. did 10 years in corporate finance, um, and then decided rather than giving advice, I would uh, – rather make the investment decisions. Um, Mm -hmm. And so joined what was then a a small boutique, which has grown. um, And I've been with them um, since 1995. So being a a long-term investor and fund manager. Yeah. And I'm sure you have a wealth of knowledge uh, to help with uh, our topics today. So, Charles, uh, can you give our audience an overview of Utilico Emerging Markets and its investment philosophy focused on essential services and unique market propositions? So, Utilico Emerging Markets, UEM, short, is mm-hmm. listed on the London Stock Exchange, and we focus on the emerging markets, and we focus on a subset, which is infrastructure and utility assets. Um, we've got decades of experience of investing in the asset class, um, starting out in in the UK and Europe, um, but now since 2005 with UEM in the emerging markets. Um, And I've got a fabulous team who helped me. Our interest, if you want, is mainly in the listed um, holdings. So over 90% of our holdings are listed. Um, and that just gives us a much more regular interaction with the companies because they publish quarterly and some of them even publish monthly statistics, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, and we focus on operational investments. So investments that already have um, a, a, a sort of runway and terminal, um, and therefore we can judge how good are the management team at operating the assets. We we absolutely focus in on the management teams in terms of trying to unlock the value. Um, but they're operating businesses with cash flow, sometimes very strong because if they are adding a terminal or, or extending a, a wharf, you can see volumes kick up very quickly. And the operational metrics mean Every unit, i.e. a passenger, TU, but every a, a car on a toll road, every unit drops to the bottom line. So mm-hmm. they're operationally leveraged. Um, 
we're benchmark agnostic. Um, we don't look at the index. We don't try and, and, and mimic it. Um, we're bottom up. Um, so what does that mean? It means we spend a lot of time understanding the investments we make um, and, and challenging them as to can they continue to stay in the portfolio? Will they offer us the returns that we want? Um, got long-term investment horizons. As you can imagine, most of these assets are pretty durable. Um, if you want a runway, will we'll, we'll last for decades and therefore um, – you can look through economic cycles. You can look through business cycles. So much more important to the, if you want buy well, um, but then have a good management team who can unlock the value. What does all of this mean? It means we've had a strong performance um, and a consistent performance because I, I think we can get closer to understanding business models and getting comfortable with them because of our knowledge and understanding, but also because of the nature of the assets. Mm -hmm. And within the scope of utilities, transportation, infrastructure, and communications, what criteria does UEM use to identify companies with sustainable cash flows that are undervalued by the markets? First of all, there are over a thousand um, listed companies that fall into, if you want, the broad definition. Um, mm -hmm. I'm supported by three senior analysts, two of whom helped me on the portfolio construction. Um, they are all more specialized in their individual areas. And over the decades, we built up a good network and relationship with brokers um, in the local markets. So we get a lot of ideas um, directly fed through to us. We'll also go looking for opportunities. Because the question is, how do we assess them? Uh, we we model out everything for five years. Um, mm -hmm. If we can't model it, if we don't understand it, we would not invest in it. Um, and very often, that's the reason we shy away from startup greenfield because it's just too difficult to understand the complications of achieving planning, the building, and then the operating. We'd rather look at it once it's up and operational. Um, and the main criteria we use is EV, um, EV to EBITDA, just a raw metric. Um, how does it, how, how, what is that asset able to generate? And then we can compare it to other assets of a similar nature. So we look at airports across the world and, and understand what are their drivers, what are their metrics, and then understand if, if you overlay the um, dynamic in terms of the use you know, passenger use, the cargo use at that airport, you can get a really good understanding of how they should operate. But our key driver is EV to EBITDA. Um, we obviously look at things like balance sheet. If it's too geared, we'd, we'd step away. Mm -hmm. We look at things like uh, if you want currency mismatch, which doesn't happen that often. It used to be a real challenge where businesses would borrow in, say, US dollars, but he'd be mm. operating in Malaysian ringgit, and mm. and you'd find a mismatch in 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 outcomes. Um, but it's a it's a methodical process. We put everything onto the same metric, and therefore we can compare and challenge. Right, and um, 
I've been hearing a lot about nearshoring and it's gaining attention as a notable trend. So could you give a bit more of an explanation to some of our audience who might not be aware of what that is and how does this compa- how does this concept impact emerging markets? So just stepping back, I think there broadly we've identified four trends. There's sort of the energy transition, naive. Um, all economies are shifting towards renewables, and that means more mm-hmm. investment in renewables. It means more investment in transmission, and that's a tailwind in that uh, sector. Mm-hmm. If I look at digital, there's a real shift towards uh, the digital economy, um, and it's growing rapidly. And that shift um, is a tailwind for our investments in that space. And social um, things. Um, like Horizon, which is in waste services in Brazil, Mm -hmm. all servicing a a social outcome. If we come to to nearshoring, globalization, I think two big broad trends. One is um, a definite decision to to, uh, improve supply lines and a definite decision to move away from China. Uh, Mm -hmm. There's clearly friction between the U.S. and China, and that's Mm -hmm. playing out, I think, in corporates not disinvesting from China, Mm -hmm. but corporates taking a decision to put the next manufacturing facility in, say, uh, a a, a new jurisdiction. Mm. Nearshoring is is an upshot, if you want, of that. Um, so when they're making a decision, they are because of understanding, I think, more the challenges. Uh, corporates are relocating production closer to to home. And if you looked at America, mm-hmm. one of the big places where we we see nearshoring happening is Mexico. Um, okay. And one thing we do is we travel a lot. Um, mm-hmm. And I went to Mexico in March, and it was absolutely evident that they're benefiting from just that spillage of uh, manufacturing into northern Mexico. So, you know, and and what does that mean? We've got an investment in an airport called Omar. And Mm -hmm. as as just a raw number, their international travel is up 45% in Monterey. Monterey is a sort of, a city that's benefiting from nearshoring. Um, mm-hmm. There's a lot of infrastructure going in in terms of logistics, uh, production to service the American market. Um, so it's it's really moving production closer to home. Um, but it's interesting. I think a, a, a lot of um, North American business would prefer to locate it in Mexico for all the reasons. Mexico has always been attractive. It's much, it's it's cheaper, um, and 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 it can therefore service its market from that base. Yeah, and could you share some insights into how UEM approaches nearshoring as an investment theme within its portfolio? I think the way we look at these um, tailwinds, if you want, is to is to take them into account when we're looking at something like Omar Airport. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, do we think that nearshoring is sustainable? Um, and so we, you know, part of going to Monterey and seeing the airport and, and and going and visiting business parks was to see 
can this expansion actually take place? Is there the support in terms of physical infrastructure, warehouses and toll roads, et cetera? And is there momentum from the local government to support it? Um, if there is, then we can take that knowledge and understanding and say the airport growth should continue. So it's it's it, it's a factor that comes into, if you want, a, a, a decision-making process when we're looking at various assets. Do we think that there are drivers here which are sort of medium to long-term? I mean, I see nearshoring as probably going to be with us for five to 10 years. It's, it's, it's not a immediate, oh, we've all nearshored. I think it'll be a constant shift. Mm. And um, I've seen that UEM has exhibited remarkable performance against the MSCI Emerging Markets Total Return Index. So what factors have contributed to the success and how does the trust maintain an appealing dividend strategy? Two different questions. Um, <laughs> in terms of our performance, I think invest in good management teams and, mm -hmm. and good businesses. And it's been, I've been amazed going through COVID, most management teams focused on cost. Um, it was a thing they could control. They brought down their costs, expanded their EBITDA margin. Um, the last two years since coming out of COVID, most of them are focused on the top line growth and they've they've surprised me at the strength they've been able to deliver um, and while maintaining their margins. So the, the profitability, I think, of our investments over the last four years has improved substantially. And I think that's driving the value in terms of the share price. The one thing I would say is we believe that the emerging markets are undervalued. Um, I think the price earnings ratio for the emerging markets roughly 11 times. Mm -hmm. um, and that's you know, well below the normal um, pricing for an emerging market. So notwithstanding we've performed, um, we still think the portfolio is cheap because the companies have, have, have done remarkably well. Mm -hmm. um, in terms of dividends, because they are operational assets generating a cash flow, a number of them pay a dividend. Um, so we're just a beneficiary of um, a, 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 a dividend stream, which we can pass on to our shareholders. Right. And um, you mentioned earlier um, the Horizon, the leading waste management company, um, and uh, the trust focus in Brazil. So could you elaborate on how UEM identifies and capitalizes on such unique opportunities? So uh, within the management team, I have um, uh, a, a senior analyst economist based in Curitiba in Mexico. I mean, sorry, mm -hmm. in Brazil. Mm -hmm. He worked for me in London and uh, gone back there. So he's our eyes and ears on the ground. Um, mm. When the IPO came along, we were obviously very interested because we could understand and see how these businesses operate in in Europe and 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 what the growth drivers are. The most interesting thing for us, though, was 
the Brazilian government brought in a law in 2022 that said no municipality could continue to dump waste. Um, mm-hmm. They had to process it. And so you had a much more formalized um, approach to it. So there are now regulations around waste disposal. This company acquired, or today has 15 sites, um, and it's, if you want upgrading the waste processing, ensuring it doesn't leak out into the environment, making all the improvements. But the real excitement will come from capturing the biogas and the methane and, 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 and the revenue streams that come from that, mm-hmm. but also selling the carbon credits because obviously they are a very much green proposition. Um, so the drivers to the upside are very significant um, because not only are you starting with if you want the waste contract, but your outcomes are magnified if you can operate the site really well. Mm-hmm. I think the final thing to say is it's run by two individuals who are properly entrepreneurial, properly driven, understand the opportunity and so far, they've executed exceptionally well. Right. So very happy with that. Yeah, definitely. Um, I can kind of get the understanding that UEM has a vested interest in Latin America. Um, so how does the trust navigate the monopolistic char- characteristics of the region to deliver large, larger dividend yields? So I think dividends are always an outcome. We can't uh, determine um, exactly what, what gets paid out. There are market by market, there are minimums, et cetera, but um, it's much more an outcome. It, I think the fundamental is to start with what are the cash flows, where are they going, what is management's appetite for, um, if, if, if you want, um, proper discipline around cash flows. You know, some management teams want to build an empire um, and that wouldn't be for us. You know, we want an efficient, well-run, well-focused business and they would be paying dividends as part of that outcome. Um, We'll have a dialogue with them in terms of our expectations and, and, and the markets. At the end of the day, we're not the only investor, and therefore most investors are looking for um, payouts. That's it and done. If a company is looking to add a terminal and expand its capacity, mm-hmm. we're perfectly happy that the dividend gets reduced while they invest in the capex. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, UEM also has um, uh, optimistic outlook when it comes to India and Vietnam. So can you share the reasons behind this confidence and delve into the growth-oriented market dynamics of these countries? So Vietnam, I think, is definitely benef- benefiting from the shift away from China. Um, right. You know, there are 100 million people, um, very, um, um, you know, strong work ethic, and they are benefiting from relocation. So, of new um, products. Apple has just opened up a new facility in Vietnam, and all of that relocation of 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 
facilities will drive the Vietnamese economy. Um, mm. And so we're very excited about Vietnam. Um, we can see the dynamic. We can understand it. Um, our top investment there is FPT. Um, mm-hmm. And they're a company that came out of um, telecommunications. So um, uh, cables in the ground, data mm-hmm. centers, customers. And they have expanded over time into software. So a big part of their business now is um, software delivery in, in, in into global corporates and enabling uh, their digital journey to be fulfilled. Um, And they've Mm -hmm. really done well. I think one of their hidden strengths is they have a university and a school system that they've Mm -hmm. started, built, and run. um, And they now have over 100,000 students, paying students. Um, Mm -hmm. So fascinating to see their growth. Last quarter, they grew their top line 20% and they grew their EPS nearly 20%. Um, mm-hmm. And they are absolutely focused on outcomes. So that's good. If I look at India, India, um, I admire Modi's, if you want, uh, a, approach to um, unlocking the economy. So mm-hmm. enabling investments into areas that will unlock the economy. And there is no doubt that the removal, if you want, of tax barriers within India, the Mm -hmm. um, enabling of the digital economy, the um, building of the um, uh, freight corridors Mm -hmm. will unlock value. I mean, if if I said to you, when we originally, when I first went to India, Freight um, was, I think, was third or fourth on any any line. It was behind passenger, behind the local state, etc. So if you were trying to get something from um, Mumbai to Delhi, it would take mm-hmm. you two, three, four days. Um, okay. There'll be, and and you wouldn't have any certainty um, mm-hmm. about when it would arrive, etc. And so. If you think of it as manufacturers, they would have to stock all the parts to be able to keep the assembly lines going. But on the reverse, they'd have to overstock at the ports, et cetera, to enable ships to to um, to to uh, be filled um, quickly and efficiently. Now, they built dedicated freight corridors, only freight trains. They're much quicker. They're double stacked. Um, And your freight times are, if you want, uh, uh, they run with a much more certain um, outcome. So certainly all that efficiency unlocks a lot of both economic activity, but just efficiency for the Indian economy. Yeah. So I'm excited because I think he's put in place a lot of good building blocks. Yeah, definitely. And. I wanted to touch on your experience because everything that you have told me about your experience, I think would be um, invaluable to financial advisors. Um, So what advice would you offer to professionals looking to guide their clients in exploring opportunities in emerging markets? So I think that's a fantastic question. Um, Two things I do say about UEM is, 
I'll remain fully invested. We're an investment trust, I think, because of our nature, people can't withdraw capital, but that means we can invest Mm -hmm. 100%. So we won't go into cash. It's your decision as to whether you buy UEM or not. Mm -hmm. Um, I would say that I I, I think going through a, a trust like UEM gives them protection because we've got, you know, uh, over 80 investments. And we do that on purpose to just try and de-risk the surprises. Um, mm-hmm. I think the challenge of going direct is, as with any growing economy, you've got you know a political cycle in, in each of the countries that, 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 that runs through it, say, every four or five years. You've got economic cycles. Um, and trying to understand that from London uh, mm-hmm. is is a challenge because yeah. it's, it's within the detail and the nuance. Um, but I'd say to anybody, any investor, um, you know, go in with purpose. So if you decide to put, I don't know, £10,000 into emerging markets, put into mm-hmm. a quarter and build it up. Because if you, if you go in uh, uh, you, Timing is always a challenge, and I think if you go in over time, that would always tends to to help. Don't be scared to take your profits, Um, Mm -hmm. and if it's too good to be true, usually is. Yeah, yeah, definitely good advice. So um, finally, Charles, uh, could you provide insights into how UEM contributes to the appeal of gaining exposure to the economic growth of emerging markets while delivering consistent dividends? So I think our appeal is not only does emerging markets have GDP growth, um, it varies, but it's pretty much there. Um, We are invested usually in and around cities. Uh, Urbanization is still a trend. Cities tend to grow quicker than the wider economy, and the middle class certainly grows quicker than the city. And they're the consumers of, if you want, toll roads, uh, airports, um, and, and drive digital, uh, the digital economy. So I think we've got a, a natural um, driver of the businesses we're invested in, um, and that ought to deliver positive outcomes. Um, So over time, I'm very optimistic. And if you look back, um, we've had a rising dividend. So Mm -hmm. that's just telling me that if if the performance keeps up, the earnings will keep up. If the earnings keeps up, the dividend will keep up. And we Mm -hmm. can share that with our, our shareholders. Yeah, fantastic. Well, thank you so much for speaking with me today, Charles. I really found this conversation interesting. Thank you very much, Kimberly. Me too. (laughs) thank you for listening to in conversation with we do hope that you enjoyed it please do keep up to date with all our new releases via podbean apple Podcasts, spotify and everywhere else you get your podcasts from you can also keep up to date with all our new content published on the money marketing website as well as our print edition money marketing magazine so make sure to subscribe Follow us on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. See you next time.